It's our cutoff story this week at number 11. The headline, Japanese actress Yuko Takuchi, known for her roles in Miss Sherlock and Ringu, found dead at age 40 in apparent suicide. We posted this to you out there and you responded to it on Sunday, the 27th of September. And because this is the cutoff story, there's not much we're going into for this one. For more information about this story, you can click on the link at our website, this is the conversation.com for this week's podcast. But this is where we stop the counts and go into the counts, if you will. And we'll start counting down the stories from 10 to 1, the stories that you said were the most important, most conversational stories throughout the past week here on the weekly wrap up show with Jay Cleveland Payne, the week ending October the 3rd, 2020. And welcome to the show. My name, Jacob Payne. The show, the weekly wrap-up. It is a show, a podcast, a way of life, if you will. It's a ball part of the Conversation Project, which is becoming more and more important right now as the mass amount of conversations that are stories that are worth talking about and chit-chatting about are harder to come by. There are no water coolers because no one's in the same building. Uh, and the big, super, mega stories that are overtaking the mainstream media are essentially the same story with slight variations all day long. So if you watch news all day like I do, you see the same stories. But if you're sifting through various sources, you can actually see the pure sources of stories that are worth having conversations about and some that are actually more conversational and interesting than the big deals. And we bring that to you here on the weekly wrap-up show as which ones are the top. Now, the Conversation Project is a very simple thing. It is a way of finding out what stories, what news topics, what things are people really kind of really into chit-chatting about. And we need you to help us do that. You do power this in many ways. And one way is telling us what stories are the top. You do this by following us on social media. TH underscore conversation is how you find us on Twitter. And this is a conversation. Search for us there on Facebook as we drop down stories in your news feed about Every 50 minutes or so, we just ask you to engage with them, read them, like them, love them, hate them, share them. The more engagement you get into a story, the higher the score gets at the end of the week. We go from Friday about midnight to Friday about 5 a.m. or so. We cut things off and we put them into a spreadsheet that weighs out the Twitter and the Facebook and give you one real score that's raw and there to give you what really at the top the bottoms. And then we tell you what they come down to here at the end of the week. So to make all that happen, we get all that stuff together to help keep things going as well. You can also be a part of the sponsorship crew. Go to this is a conversation dot com slash partnerships and find ways that you can help and partner with us. That's basically become a sponsor directly in the spot in the partner area. You can visit our sponsors at this is a conversation dot com slash sponsors or just anytime you see them pop up in the feed on our website inside our newsletters. If you want to become a sponsor, email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com or just chit chat if you want to. We can talk about those things as well. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and sharing with people so you have more people in the conversation. Just like that. So getting right into the gist of what's going on, let's get to the top ten stories. Start off with the story listed at number ten per you this week. The headline reads like this. Joe Biden releases 2019 tax returns ahead of presidential debate. We posted this on Tuesday, the 29th of September. This story gets a bump in response. That means more people were responsive to this one than the last story. The reason why this one is 10 and not 11 by 1.45%. Not very much. Now, let me say this right off the bat. Today, as we record this on the 3rd of October, 
we have a lot of breaking news. It's not so much breaking, but it's a lot of news about President Donald Trump, who, of course, has contracted the coronavirus and is right now seeking treatment in at Walter Reed Hospital. That story did not make it into the list from this week because it came out a little too late when he actually was going into the hospital, uh, when he actually admitted he had contacted coronavirus capable COVID-19 a little too late for the cutoff. So it missed there. And we'll see what happens next week. And there'll be plenty of stories. And we already have plenty of stories that are making their way into high rankings this early. Uh, what uh, basically going on that makes us know we'll talk about that in the future next week. We'll talk a bit about that as it relates to a lot of things that went on this full last week as well. But that's not a, a story we're going to talk about in particular because it could not make the cut. It just was not in the actual time frame for the stories. But we will we will intervene with that here or there within this week's top down because a lot of things dealing with Donald Trump and the debate stuff. This in particular. So the debate happened on September 29th, and that was between, of course, President Donald Trump and former vice president and current candidate for presidency in the Democratic Party, Joe Biden. Earlier this week, we found out news, actually last week, I guess, we found out news about Donald Trump and his taxes, that because of various ways that rich people get out of paying taxes, Donald Trump only paid $750 for a year for the first two years of his presidency, basically coming into the office and for a span of about 15 years, didn't pay much of anything. In fact, came up with one year, a a big fat check for $73 million as a refund. How does that work out? I don't know. Ask Michael Cohen and Donald Trump. But as a way to sort of gig at the president this week, early on to getting into the getting into the debate, the day of the debate, essentially the morning of the debate, he released his 2019 tax returns a bit early, although all all candidates basically released them. In fact, he probably released them earlier on for last year as he was running for president to show what he paid. And Joe Biden, who gets paid a bunch of money as a consultant, I think he paid around $3 million or something dollars in taxes. Remember, Donald Trump, as far as we know, in the past couple of years, the most he's paid for taxes, $750, 750.00. The taxes sort of came up inside of the debate, but it wasn't really a big heavy hitter. Uh, most of it was just the craziness that the debate was. It's the story of its own. We're going to make up time for that long intro today with this very quick one, which gets right to the heart of it. Headline for number nine this week. Patriots QB Cam Newton reveals his hilarious nickname for Bill Belichick. Monday, the 28th of September's day, this was posted a bump in response from the 10 story of 32.86%. So the Patriots now have Cam Newton on the head of their team as a quarterback. We'll get a little bit of a, but real news coming up in a moment. Uh, but Cam Newton, of course, now formerly of the Panthers, known for basically being drafted and taking that franchise to a whole nother level. Uh, the Patriots, mostly known for Tom Brady, sort of known for Drew Bledsoe being having his job taken by Tom Brady and also known by Bill Belichick being one of the hardest taskmasters in the actual NFL. And because Cam Newton has his personality and Bill Belichick has his personality, it's really, really funny that Cam Newton is throwing around nicknames for Bill Belichick. Now, on a show he did, the, the, the Patriots won that weekend, and basically he was on a radio show talking about it. And so he dropped the nickname he has for Bill Belichick. He actually put it in Twitter as well. Bill, Bill Belichick per Cam Newton, is called Dollar Dollar Bill, y'all, which is both funny and hilarious. 
funny because it's not the most original name for the world for uh, for anybody as a nickname. And hilarious because Cam also admits he doesn't actually say it to his face, which is probably a good thing. But the fact that Cam Newton is having that sort of uh, relationship with Mr. Belichick, even though, you know, we may not be out there like that is a cool thing that says that this matchup, this teaming is not necessarily a trick play. This is something that may last for a little while. Cam Newton may find himself in the Patriots uniform for a while. If he sticks around the way he's playing so far, he could retire as a Patriot and won a great one in a short period of time. Caveat to that, we'll see if this pops up in next week's story. Uh, this is Saturday the 3rd as we record this, of course. Uh, tomorrow's game where the Patriots are, are going to take the field will not have Cam Newton, who tested positive for coronavirus essentially this morning. So I believe, I guess they'll have a second test to see what happens. He is listed as um, probably questionable for the thing, but he is not scheduled to play tomorrow for the Patriots. We'll see. I'm not sure who the second guy is, but we'll see how this goes, and we'll follow his progress as he deals with his diagnosis. No word on whether he's had any real major symptoms yet, although he has tested positive. Let's go to the story at number eight. This one, family of embalmers preserve dead people's tattoos, turns them into wall art. Posted on Saturday, the 26th of September. Bump in response of 4.3 from the number nine story. And this is a story that we posted on Saturday, so it lasted quite a while with the numbers. And I was wondering how how high it would go. And it was good enough to last all the way to number eight for the end of the week. So, that says a lot. Not sure why you guys are into the tattoos and the stories, but this is one you guys really got into. The business is called Save My Ink Forever. You can visit them if your browser will open it. I'm having issues opening right now to describe it at savemyink.tattoo. It is a company founded by Michael and Kyle Sherwood, who are basically preserving this art and turning it into actual art. So if you have a loved one, who has a distinct tattoos and tattoos are a big deal these days that you want to literally save forever, or at least as long as the thing is preserved, check out save my and see if they've got a, a deal for you at number seven this week. Proud boys rally in Portland draws only about 200 after city brace for thousands. NBC news posted the story, at least the version we posted on Saturday, the 26th of September Bump in response from the number eight story of 7.22%. Now, the Proud Boys, who actually made their way into the news this week because of the debate, did not make their way into this countdown because of this. They made their way into the countdown because of the rally they held at the beginning of the week or end of last week in the weekend, where they basically advertised this was going to be the Proud Boys rally to be end-all rallies, and they wanted people to show up for this which, of course, would mean counter-protesters would show up for this, and it'd be a big old thing. The city of Portland were ready for literally thousands of people to show up to be a part of the rally and then, of course, to counter-contact, counter the rally. But what happened was uh, the Proud Boys themselves, or the people representing the Proud Boys, only had about 200 people show up for the entire thing. That's it. All that was there. It was um, pretty much, yeah, just like that. So while, of course, you know, taking their stride in what happened in the debate, we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, taking their stride from actually just announcing themselves and having people know about them, then this case, it wasn't worth going to Portland to see them or be a part of them to see what happened. There are still various rallies going on around the nation on 
whatever side of the political spectrum you are, essentially we're drawing a line on the Black Lives Matter movement and you just go from the people who support them, the people who are against them and who they are, whom they are. But this is one, one of the cases where we're seeing that the counter the counter protesting and the counter organizations, that would be the pro-whites, for lack of a better term. I'm not going to just throw out white supremacists, even though they are basically called white supremacists. Uh, on that side, we're seeing more of a rallying for the folks on the Black Lives Matter than on the other end. We'll see how long this goes and we'll see what happens post election coming up in about 30 days. The story at number six this week, headline, Trump $500 billion Black America Plan designates KKK and TIFA, that's a comma there, as terrorist organizations. Posted on Friday the 29th of September, a bump in response from number seven story of 27.88%. So what's the deal here? Uh, President Trump, despite the fact that he says he's done more for black people uh, since Lincoln, which is what he says, is still out there trying to appeal to African-American voters and try to appeal to folks on that side because he doesn't necessarily need them to win. He just needs to put up a bit of a show to say he does. But part of what's going on into his, his black America package, if you will, is a plan to um, designate hate groups as hate groups. But here's the kicker. Because he talks a lot about the leftist hate groups and Antifa in particular, which you can agree or disagree whether they are a group or an idea, he put out a big major uh, plan that designates various groups in the hate category as terrorist organizations so that you can crack down on them. And I think it's more of a matter of carrying uh, out things against the Antifa side than the KKK side. But it's basically in order to reach the other guy, you got to kind of throw in a sacrificial lamb and in this case a group like the kkk which has been seen as as a terror organization for decades is in here as well yeah so there you go trump is trying to appease uh the black population by putting labels on some groups as terrorist organizations although what the actual how these to be enforced, I don't know. And I think it's more of a, a way to officially put the Antifa folks inside some of the label. But the actuality, the, the reality of it, from I guess from my standpoint, where I see things, there's a whole lot less things being put on in an organized matter from Antifa, maybe more Black Lives Matter, which is people showing up saying they're Antifa, uh, than people who are claiming to be Proud Boys or KKK or things like that. It is sort of a thing, sort of like the anonymous thing, where I knew a lot of young people who just said, I'm a part of anonymous, but there is really no anonymous to be a part of. It's more or less like that. You can agree or disagree with me or the president or anyone on this. You can uh, you can argue with this with me via email. Email me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com, and we can discuss this and any other topics we are talking about in the podcast today. Let's go to the story at number five. Azerbaijan and Armenia clash over disputed Nagorno-Karabakh region. Sorry for the bad pronunciation, but we're going to keep on moving with that. Uh, We posted this from the BBC on Sunday the 27th as well. This is a story that got a bump in response by 12.03% from the number six. And this is a pretty devastating story, a big world story. Now, 
here's the deal. These are two nations and these are two states that are either part of the Soviet Union or that or, or so, sort of broke away from them and broke into their own little worlds based on uh, the, the Cold War ending and the territories kind of going back to normal. What happened with a lot of these nations was the boundaries that they had that were normal, that were natural, that were also cultural and, and class and racial, if you will, if you want to call different types of people from different nations a different race, and that's what happens in some of these cases. They were all clashed and stuck together as a part of Mother Russia in the Soviet Union. And then when they basically broke that down and went back to drawing up their own maps, a lot of the areas were sort of interweaving and just thrown together and just sort of mashed together because the Soviets didn't really care about your ethnicity, didn't care about you tribe and you tribe and you tribe. You just all had to follow the Kremlin. Now these people are back to governing themselves. They're going back over lines and saying, hey, when this thing happened, they gave you this little piece of here and we want it back. And this is exactly what's going on right now. There is a dispute in uh, some adjoining adjoining areas between Azerbaijan and Armenia. And what's happened is a little bit of war, not necessarily massive all out war but clashes in the disputed areas by both places. Even though on one map it's actually someplace else, the other people believe it really should be there, and that's happening. This has been a story that has been updated in very different places and very different areas across the week. You know, we posted this on Saturday uh, or, or Friday. We posted on, on, on Sunday, I should say. Uh, it basically la- has lasted all week long as a fairly major news story. One of the few top stories world world endangering stories and just stories in general that has busted through uh, multiple days throughout the week here in the United States in our mainstream media here on the local on the well on the headline cable news so this is a big deal this is something that people need to understand and worry about this is not like we're going to start sending troops to Armenia or Azerbaijan tomorrow to break this up but world clashes on this type of level are serious business and things that the United States used to really pay a lot of attention to. And maybe there's a reason for the current administration to pay attention to this one in particular, other than just the general, we kind of keep an eye on, want to keep an eye on things out there. Moving on to the story we have at number four, the headline reads like this. Disney parks lay off 28,000 employees cites California's unwillingness to reopen Disneyland. Hollywood Reporter is the source, our source. Tuesday, the 29th of September, is the day we posted it. You gave this one a bump in response from number five story of 2.68%. This is a very simple story to, to read and for you to understand, I hope. Disneyland, not Disney World, is going to lay off the bulk of the people here. Now, Disney Parks in general is sort of a overarching world sort of thing about what's happening. So Disneyland, Disney parks around the world are seeing cutbacks across their entire operations because things are going slow. The bulk of the news and bulk of the people are going to be lost at Disneyland in California because California has not been open to opening mass things up. Orlando has opened up their doors to many people's chagrin and shock, and they're somehow managing to get through things on a level that's lower, but making things work out. In fact, a lot of the activity for the NBA bubble took place in Disney World complexes, so there's money to be made there. 
California is not opening up much of anything. So all of the employees that are furloughed, just waiting for something to happen in Disneyland in California, essentially the bunch of the, the bulk of those will be laid off completely soon. This is not a good thing for one of the happiest places in the world. Not a good thing for all of us at all. And the real reality of jobs like this is most of these jobs, we'll see what most means, but a large amount of jobs like these aren't coming back. There's not going to be enough extra people needing rides for Uber to be what it was uh, at this time last year. There's not as many people out there with excess income and a need to get a meal between here and there for restaurants and food trucks and food delivery to be what it was last year. And the obvious, if there's no theme park to go to, there's no reason for castmates to wander around Disney parks at all. Financially, we will somehow get back onto our feet, but we'll be we'll be waiting for a while to see what normal is, number one, and when normal comes, what it actually means for the economy and jobs in general. What jobs will people have to go off to to keep things going? And will it mean a large lot of people doing just low menial jobs, not even gig type jobs, low menial jobs just to support themselves? This story is our only direct debate story, if you can call it that. And it is a highlight of perspective. This is a story that shows you that just because you believe a thing doesn't mean it's necessarily true and doesn't believe that anybody else thinks anywhere near what you're thinking. This headline, 66% of Spanish-speaking Americans in Telemundo poll think Trump just won the debate. Wednesday, the 30th of September, as we posted this, of course, the debate happened on Tuesday, so this thing, this this poll came out Wednesday morning. This story is the top-rated Facebook story of the week. This one, Facebook pulled it basically out of the depths into the high rankings of this top 10 list. It probably would have made it in here uh, more or less based on its general numbers, but, some, but basically on the Facebook response alone, this is what pulled it into the top tier, top three. Bump in response, 33.33%, so a third of uh, the more responders than the folks at number four. And this is what this means. Literally, about two thirds of the Spanish speaking people in the poll that Telemundo put get together after the Trump and Biden debate thought that Trump won. This may be because of translation. This may be because of the animation of Donald Trump. This may be because here I go again. Hispanic people tend to talk really loud and over people a lot. So it just seemed kind of natural. Back to normal. So, for whatever reason you want to believe or disbelieve, most people in the commentary that I saw uh, were basically saying that Biden didn't necessarily win the debate. He just didn't, you know, not lose. Trump didn't necessarily lose the debate as well as lose his entire mind. And that the entire debacle was a debacle. Uh, you can add whatever expletives and um, that you want to put in there yourselves because Trust me, plenty of people did over the week. But just because you think that Trump was a blowhard and did not perform well, or you think that Trump just didn't perform well because he wasn't quite prepared or whatever was going on in your head, what you have is a group of people, at least per this poll, that said, nah, he did all right. So your knowledge always varies in your opinion. And this is one where the opinion 
will matter come election day in about 30 days. But at, at the same time, you still have to wonder what debate were the people they polled were they actually watching. Story at number two this week, posted on Tuesday, the 29th of September, with a bumper response of 57.35%. The headline reads, scores of Napa Valley, Napa wineries, restaurants, and resorts have been damaged by the glass incident fire. The glass incident fire, just one of the name fires going on in California, where I believe over 50%, which sounds horrendous, but somewhere near that, of, of land has been touched by wildfires in this season alone. That particular fire going through the Napa region and because it's known for wineries and restaurants, resorts around that is causing havoc. Not only is it causing havoc because people have lost lives, property has been damaged and the wine itself, which is which is both a sightseeing opportunity for the vineyards and a product for the vineyards for the wine is going to have a lot of issues. In fact, when they have issues of wildfires in this type of type of in this time when they're normally harvesting wine to prepare for a a batch for the next year next season what they have is not only do they have destruction of the actual grapes that are out there the grapes that do survive take in a lot of the atmosphere that's why people say they smell the atmosphere when they sniff wine and taste wine so what you have is literally smoky grapes grapes that will taste and have a fragrance of the smoke and ash. And while some wines with an ashy sort of demeanor may be extremely well taken in, a bulk of wines from entire region that all taste like soot will probably not be all that great for consumption coming down the lines when they're actually mass-produced and actually distributed. So not only would they lose the grapes to make wine, but the grapes they will have won't be great wine. Uh, we also are just basically putting out um, our thoughts and prayers to the people in the area because of safety, number one, loss of property, number two. And it's just one of those to make the story interesting, unfortunately, to put it that way. It's framed in a sense where it's the wineries and the areas around Napa Valley that people come to as a a, a respite to um, to enjoy themselves, relax, that one is in danger. And two, has so much of an impact financially to the state and to the nation. And now the fanfare to go with story number one this week. It is, as usual, the top story with Twitter response by leaps and bounds. It gets a bumper response of 132.71% from the number two story we just had for the Napa Valley wineries. It has a bumper response from number 10 story of Joe Biden and his tax returns of Nine hundred and sixty seven percent. And from the almost relevant story of the week. Oh, by the way, story 201. And we've not mentioned that so far. It gets a bumper response of seventy four thousand six hundred. That's how many more people responded to this one than didn't respond to that one. Now, that last thing wasn't grammatically correct, but here's the point. It also got 12.94% of engagement. So over about 13% engagement of every story we had in this week, people engaged it, got right there. Obviously, it's at the top because it's the biggest story. We posted it on Tuesday, the 29th of September. Here is your headline. Kamala Harris mistakenly refers to late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg as notorious B.I.G., so let's just we'll we'll quickly dip into this one. We're trying to work on brevity and time wise. So we're going to quickly roll into this one. Last week, 
We talked about Kamala Harris and her stating that Tupac was the greatest rapper alive. Inferring that Tupac may actually still be alive as opposed to just inferring that she was the greatest. He was the greatest rapper that she's heard in her lifetime. Of course, the Tupac. Tupac uh, being alive thing just as uh, popular as Elvis still being alive, although Elvis being alive a little harder now that he would be such an old person. But Tupac and his being alive, even though he hasn't had any albums out lately, I guess, is one uh, is a kind of a memeish thing that pops up every so often because we just get into that. This week, she had another gaffe where she called RBG, B.I.G. If you don't know, Notorious B.I.G. refers to Biggie Smalls uh, as opposed to <laughs> RBG where the, the the nickname came from and, and and a lot of folks are sort of you know they launched into that because just because she is such a super arching figure of course um Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away last week which caused a whole lot of issues with um Supreme Court and voting and all that stuff and the the um one of the weirder thing is Christopher Wallace, you know, the real name of B.I.G., his son came out within the last week or so saying that R.B.G. would have loved the fact that or his father, B.I.G., would have loved the fact that she got gloss R.B.G. because of him and the nickname. So it was one of those things out there as well. But let's get back to Kamala Harris before we run out of time. Kamala Harris is running for the second top job in the nation. In fact, she was actually running for the first job, that top job, until the other guy overtook her. And even though we talk about Joe Biden and his gaffes, and we were just talking about that when he was the vice president, the actual vice president for a while, which made him kind of funny as Uncle Joe, Auntie Kamala is right now coming up pretty quick as she is. And it's weird that she's coming up with all these references that are hip-hop-ish references. It's as if she knows that you know, Tupac is hanging out in Vegas in a hotel waiting for things to die down so that he can go back and make more records or that B.I.G. Well, she meant R.B.G., you know, just kind of wants the spotlight for herself, wants to see how people are going to take things. until she says, hey, I'm back. So we'll see if Kamala Harris can rebound from these type of things or whether we're just being really, really picky. Uh, because she's got a prime time on this week on a debate. I believe it's on Tuesday between Vice Presidential Candidate, or Vice President, current Vice President Mike Pence. He technically is a candidate, but he also is the actual guy. Uh, she's just a candidate because she hasn't been there yet. So we'll see what kind of gaffes Kamala can come up with right now. And we'll just <laughs> she's 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 doing her thing. So let her do her thing. We're going to see how this all rolls out. Oh, by the way. Uh, the numbers for this week include the engagement in total for everybody uh, on Facebook. The Facebook engagement, 12.79%, almost equal to the engagement of the top story by itself. Twitter engagement, 87.21%. There's actually uh, engagement of Facebook up about 2-3% uh, for the week. The total engagement for the top 10 stories, because the first story was so engaging, 34.67%. For the middle stories, the stories right or almost ran, I should say, not quite middle, 11 through 15, uh, the stories that almost made it in, only about 5.89%. The story at the very, 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 very bottom, the almost relevant story of the week, is just 0.02%. As we told you already, it is 74,600% less responsive than the number one story. It was posted on Wednesday, the 30th of September, and the headline reads... Trump says McDonald's fries are secret to his signature main. 
We got that from the New York Post. This is actually a, a, a continuation of a story. Earlier in the week, just like a few days earlier, there was a story, just a weirdish science story about some ingredient in McDonald's fries. And we all know they're not just straight up potatoes. Some ingredient used in the preservatives, preserving in of the fries they have in McDonald's fries, essentially can be linked to working as a hair grower or something to save people from losing their hair. It's just something that popped out in weirdish science. And it just so happens that that chemical is in McDonald's fries, not on purpose, but it is. Now, President Trump, a well-known connoisseur of the fast food, loving him some McDonald's, basically because he's always afraid of being poisoned, so he likes to eat things that are essentially mass-produced the same way, so he can just pick it up and assume that it's good. He eats a lot of McDonald's fries, and he's sort of ribbed that maybe it's the fries that keep his hair so orange. That's what he said. Well, most of you didn't want to care for that one very much. In fact, it was an oddity this week that that story was posted on Wednesday. Normally, the almost relevant story is a story posted on late Thursday, early Friday, because it doesn't get a lot of time to garner much response. That's why it's almost relevant. This week, it was one from the middle of the week that could have plenty of time to gain itself some, some traction, but it didn't. The final rundown, stories for the week. One story from Sunday, one from Monday, four from Tuesday, one from Wednesday, zero from Thursday, uh, one from the earlier Friday, the 26th, nothing from yesterday, the, the 2nd of October, and two stories posted from last Saturday. That's a new stat. We'll try to figure out how to run that so it makes more sense. But that's your stats for how these things work, how these things came along, and the points behind everything. No no super stories this week. No ties this week. We're glad for that. Everything has a straight up rated, and you can see it. You can see a link to every single story that we talk about here today and every single story that we actually posted throughout the week. There are the links to those stories are at our website. This is a conversation dot com. Go to the link for this week's podcast podcast week ending October the 3rd, 2020. And you can go through and see everything that is there. We also ask you, Joe, there to check out how you can subscribe to the podcast. The biggest way you can be a part of what's going on is to make sure you are listening to the podcast and sharing with as many people as possible. The conversational stories, knowing what people are talking about, is more important than ever these days. As there's so many things are going on in the world, but the headlines are overtaken by very serious stories, but just overdone by stories. You can't get any big info. Finding out what other people are actually talking about and finding out what people of other ideals and bents are talking about is a great thing. Trust me on that. It's a good thing to know what other people are thinking. Also, we want to make sure you know that you how you basically wrote the script, at least gave us the outline for the script this week by engaging in the stories and tell us which stories were the most conversational. You can tell us how they are going ongoing by going to Twitter and looking for us at TH underscore conversation or going to Facebook and looking for us at this is the conversation and we're the blue speech bubble looking thing. Follow us on those platforms. Make sure you put us so that we can be seen in, your, in the platform. And every 50 minutes or so, we post an article from various different news sources. Some you like, some you don't, some that we even question, but have interesting storylines to them. Read the stories. Like them, love them, hate them, share them. The more engagement the story gets, the higher the score it gets at the end of the week. Not only do you help us keep things going by basically doing the work for us here, 
we also have the hat out to get a little bit of donations to keep this thing going. It's a labor of love, I say, but it is a labor that requires some bit of resources. If you want to help us out on that level, if you think this content is worthy of that, go to thisistheconversation.com slash partnerships. Partner with us directly to keep things going here for the project. You can also just click on any link from any sponsor link we have inside of our feed or inside of our products, our, our newsletter, our website. We get a little bit of commission off those links as well. As we said, sign up for the podcast, subscribe to it, share with plenty of other people, and make sure you're engaged as things go along as well. If you want to talk about anything we had here or just anything in general, Please make sure that you email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. That way we can talk about any story we had going through or just anything in general. If you think we should have more stories on different things, you can send me links to other stories. And if it pops up and I have the space in this rotation, we'll throw a couple of them in there. Just we'll even give you a bit of a heads up just like that. And finally, every time we have a story on suicide, we always remind folks that there are resources to get help. There are local resources. There are friends and family. And, of course, if you can't find anyone, try the suicide National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. There's also suicidepreventionlifeline.org online resources as well. Uh, or if anything, you can reach out to me and we can talk about things like this. Your life is worth more than you may think it is right now. Uh, we need you here. And so we someone in the collective we as the world will help you come down off that figurative or literal ledge. And we will help you get the help you need to get better. We want you to get better. You need to get better. We need you here. So resources for that. It's 800-273-8255 is a national suicide prevention lifeline. Give them a call or call a local resource or make your make sure you are bugging enough friends so they figure out that you need some help and they can get it taken care of. In the meantime, we are already preparing for big stories, including expectations on things with Donald Trump and his coronavirus diagnosis, which we're expecting something to pop through here in this week and other big things as they come along. So keep an eye on things with us on what's conversational and just be here next week for another episode where we'll tell you from 10 to 1 what stories you actually said were the most conversational over the week. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne. Thank you for listening to the weekly wrap up.